thank you for joining us on Community Focus this morning, where we look at the issues that matter in South Florida and the people and organizations that are making a difference. We're talking about Fourth of July safety. Something that people don't always think about is how fireworks can impact people with post-traumatic stress disorder. And one of the largest populations with that is veterans. So I'm happy to welcome from Mission United Broward, Lillian Bentley, both a Navy veteran and works with veterans who are reintegrating in society with employment. Lillian, thank you for talking to us. Can you tell us a little bit about your own Navy experience? Sure. I served in the Navy from, I would say, about 2006 to 2012. I was in the ceremonial guard where I was stationed in Washington, D.C., and I did a lot of the funerals at Arlington Cemetery as well as President Ford's funeral when he passed away as well. After my time there, I was stationed on the USS Ronald Reagan out in San Diego. I was a corpsman, so I basically, you know, any type of medical needs or any type of medical things that went on on the ship, um, I helped with those things. And um, I was, I got to go on deployment and I got to visit a couple of countries like Dubai, Singapore, Thailand, Hawaii. So it was really awesome. That's an amazing experience. Except when you said you were on duty at Arlington for funerals. And the first thing that I thought is how sad and tragic that is to have to be there. But I suppose it's a way of celebrating the lives. Yes, it was like for me, it was an honor because not many people get to honor the lives of the people who sacrificed for our country and be able to like ceremoniously you know, honor their lives and, you know, show their families that we care about them and that we care about their service to our country as well. Right. So 4th of July is a day that we want to show that we care about our freedoms in this country. And to me, it always means we have to include the veterans in that because they're the ones who are responsible for us continuing to have our freedoms. They fight for us. And I know everybody wants to celebrate and there's fireworks, but we learn more and more as time goes by about the effects of fireworks on veterans with post-traumatic stress disorder. First of all, you're working with so many veterans yourself when you're helping to find employment for them. How much PTSD do you see among the veterans you work with? Quite a bit. And I would say a lot of veterans, especially the older veterans, they've gone undiagnosed just because of that pride we have in ourselves and not, you know, dealing with certain things. And so I would say most veterans have dealt with some type of PTSD, whether it's been acknowledged or not. Yeah, I remember the phrase, it always used to be, ah, just man up, you know, whether you're, Mm -hmm. just pull yourself together. And for someone who's been through a traumatic experience, it's just not that simple. What are some things that we can do, first of all, to recognize PTSD in a veteran, a loved one, um, when we don't understand their behavior? Um, With PTSD, it shows up in different people in different ways. Let's say for a woman that might have been through military sexual trauma, she might have issues with being touched by people. Let's say someone who served over in Afghanistan, 
hearing loud noises or, you know, hearing fireworks and things of that nature. Those are things that trigger people in different ways. And for us, it's not really something unless that veteran has been going to counseling to recognize what their triggers are. A lot of times it's a situation where some veterans become withdrawn and Mm. they, you know, go into their shells and they don't want to be bothered. In other instances, some veterans might act out and it might show up in anger. So being mindful and knowing the patterns of behavior of a family member that are normal and then also recognizing when those patterns have changed and noticing like, you know, when they might not want to go out and be around people as much. Like, you know, just noticing when those certain patterns and behavior change, I think that's really one of the only ways that you would be able to recognize it. How can someone who sees their veteran, whatever the relationship may be, broach the topic with them when it's like you talk about the pride and, you know, yes, I served and you want to come back thinking, I have not been negatively impacted, but again, it's a traumatic experience. So how do you bring that up to someone who doesn't even want to acknowledge that they're experiencing anything? I think that just being there when they are ready to acknowledge it, because I think that it it can also be triggering by a person, you know, constantly pointing out that they see these changes in behavior. But um, I think just being mindful of the way you go about it, like, hey, family member, I noticed that you seem a little on edge. Are you okay? You want to talk about it? And being open and ready when they're ready to have that discussion. And also, you know, being open and ready to say, hey, if you want to talk about it, I'm here for you. If you feel more comfortable talking to another veteran, that's one of the things that I love about Miss United is that we are staffed by all veterans. And so when we have veterans come in, they're more comfortable talking to other veterans than they are talking to, I would say, a family member or, you know, a civilian. So encouraging them to join groups and talk to other veterans about what they might be going through is also a way that would be helpful. Yeah, you know, they always say you can't really understand what someone's gone through until you've walked in their shoes. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in society, you're going to run into lots of people who have not walked in your shoes. So trying to be empathetic and consider the circumstances really does help. And, you know, like you said, Mission United does have groups and you've moved them to telegroups, right? Or uh, Zoom meetings, Teams meetings because of the pandemic? Yes. So even with the VA, um, with the pandemic, so many, we've discovered how we can stay connected, um, you know, through Zoom and just, you know, talking over the phone. So um, we have like our two-on-one hotline where if a veteran is, you know, experiencing any type of issues, they can call that particular line and get the help that they need, whether it be counseling, housing, or any other types of support. Yeah, I mean, you're, you've got like your main things that you focus on at Mission United with housing, jobs, health, legal support, education, and financial stability. And obviously, PTSD falls in almost everything. You know, you can't keep a job if you're having reactions or being triggered in different ways. Yeah, you know, you can't keep a job if you're being triggered. 
it's hard to sit in a classroom if you're having these experiences mm-hmm. that others may not understand. And then that can impact your ability to maintain your house and your home and your family. So it really works into everything in someone's life. And then we have these holidays where, you know, we celebrate with fireworks all the time. And I'm trying to think of like, you know, preventive measures you can take. It's like one thing, if you're going to go to a big public event, you know what to expect. But then there are always places where people do their own individual fireworks. Your neighbors are going to do that. So how do you talk to a neighbor or someone and say, hey, you know, please try and understand that your fireworks could create a problem in my household without infringing on their right to celebrate. Right. I think that it can be a difficult conversation, but I also think that we are we also have to be mindful that people are pretty much open-minded and just having that conversation in a respectful way and, you know, explaining the situation without, you don't have to divulge all of your information if you don't want to, but just having a respectful conversation, explaining to a person that, you know, a lot of veterans go are going through PTSD or have PTSD and fireworks can be very triggering just because it sounds a lot like gunshots, you know, and um, being over in Afghanistan or being over in Guam and different places that have experienced any type of war or anything like that. We have to be mindful of those things and just, you know, having that having that conversation, regardless of how awkward it may be. I think a lot of people respect our veterans enough to say, hey, I never even thought that that would be an issue. And they might go somewhere else to watch the fireworks or go somewhere else to, you know, pop off the fireworks. I think that a lot of people are more open to having that conversation than just, you know, saying, hey, I don't care. I'll talk oh, them anyway, you know. <laughs> thank goodness, because there was a time when people in this country were not as considerate to our veterans mm-hmm. in a certain era. So I'm I'm so happy that it's changed. And it just strikes me that, you know, like with the, the kids from Parkland, um, for them, it's got to be just as traumatic having heard the pop, pop, pop. In a school shooting, it's very similar in where that sound can suddenly take you back to the experience and now you're frightened again. Most definitely. What can someone do if they're with anyone who is reacting badly to the sounds of fireworks? If they're suddenly freaking out, you know, how do you handle that situation? Um, I think moving that person out of that environment um, or even, you know, just talking to them and asking them like, hey, are you OK? Um, if you're ready to leave, we can we can go. Do you feel like you, um, you know, you might need someone to talk to or, you know, you can ask, like, are you being triggered by this particular situation? Because I think acknowledging that it can be triggering or, you know, just talking to a person and calming them down is very, it's very helpful. Yeah, you know, it's, it's going to sound silly. It makes me think of the preparation people take for their pets and they get those thunder jackets for the dogs mm-hmm. so they don't get scared. And I guess it's the same thing. You have to look at what you can do in advance to try and prepare for it. I've heard that CBD oils are supposed to be effective with PTSD. I don't know if that's scientifically proven, you know, article I saw on the internet. 
I've heard there is a group of veterans that um, they are promoting like CBD oil. However, let's say for me, uh, when I was getting my master's in mental health counseling, one of the things that I learned is the tapping method, right? So attention off whatever that trigger is and say, for instance, tapping on your leg, that diverts your attention to something else. So now you're no longer focusing on what that initial trigger is and now you're focused on something else. You know what I mean? Oh, that's fascinating. I'm just wondering where can someone get information? I keep seeing ads for it on Facebook to take seminars about tapping. Mm-hmm. You know, wh- what would you say is the best place to learn about a preventive measure like that, calming things that you can do like tapping? So the VA has, they, they have a lot of great information. So if you go to the VA's website, they have like a lot of information on PTSD and, you know, how to divert your attention. And they also have an app for veterans now where they have a lot of different meditations. They have like a lot of journaling in that app. It's a whole lot of um, different resources that veterans would be able to use in that app. And if they just go to the VA website and search up PTSD and, you know, how to deal with it and counseling and different things like that, it's all there. And downloading that app, for me, it was extremely helpful because, like, I learned about the tapping method. I got into meditation, like all these different things that were extremely helpful. And understanding that there are things that might trigger you that you don't even know would trigger you. And then when you see yourself being triggered, having these resources as far as tapping or meditation and different things of that nature, they're extremely helpful to redirect your attention and your energy from that particular trigger into something else. That redirect attention sounds like a really critical piece of it to take someone away from the negativity and focus them on something else. Mm -hmm. People can just remember that. And, And I would also think that having the conversation in advance to ask someone, you know, are you concerned? Like if we're going to go to fireworks at a park, do you think this will be a problem? Do you think the awareness itself will help someone to prevent having that, you know, flashback or whatever it is? Most definitely, because as veterans, just because of our training, we're hyper aware of our surroundings. Um, So I think that letting the person know where you're going, what events will take place at that particular place, so they can already be mentally prepared for the environment that they're going into is extremely helpful. I'm thinking put it on TV with the volume down. You can see how right. it is and just avoid that. But um, this is such helpful information. And I know that anyone who calls Mission United can get this kind of support in all areas of their life. What is the number for Mission United? What's the best way to reach you? Sure. Um, so there are two ways. You can call 211 and they will direct you to Mission United or any other services that you need. And then our other number that you can call is 954-4-UNITED okay. and it will send you straight to us. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the website, of course, missionunitedbroward.org and you can find everything there. Is there anything else we need to know about this? Um, I think we cover just about everything. Okay. Thank you. And again, if anyone needs assistance, Mission United Broward is there. Lillian Bentley, 
working to help find veterans employment through Mission United. Very much appreciate your time and wish you a wonderful 4th of July. Thank you. Same to you. For our next segment of Community Focus, we're still talking about 4th of July safety, this time with regard to our pets. And I'm very happy to welcome the Vice President of Marketing and a fixture at the Humane Society of Broward County. I don't know what we would do without you. Sherry Wachter, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you for having me. It is so great to talk to you. And I know I've been speaking with uh, veterans about PTSD and how they cope with fireworks. And, you know, animals have similar responses. Uh, It's not PTSD, I don't think. It's just that they get scared of things they don't understand. Is that what causes reactions in animals on occasions like this? I believe so. And their ears are just so sensitive. They react differently. And look, some dogs, fireworks, loud noises, the vacuum, nothing phases them. But I think the majority of dogs are very afraid of hearing loud booms when they don't know where it's coming from. They get scared. And if they're not in a secure place, the first instinct is going to be to run and hide. And July is National Lost Pet Prevention Month, and we definitely want to avoid losing pets. I mean, when you see the signs up with a picture of the poor little animal and a phone number to call, and, you know, the last thing you want is your baby to be disappearing on you while you're enjoying festivities. Most people don't take their cats out to public events, but what about taking dogs to public events? You know, if you think your dog is kind of okay with it. I would strongly suggest you leave your pet at home. That is going to be the safest place for them. Not only are there going to be loud noises with the fireworks, but there's going to be lots of people. And the crowds, the noise, there might be other animals there. The safest place for your pet is at home, inside, preferably in a room with some relaxing music on, maybe a special chew toy, and then you know your pet is safe. Like you mentioned, you don't want to spend the holiday looking for a lost pet. Right. What about those, what are they called, the thunder vests for dogs? So some dogs, the thunder vest does work. Now there are various types of calming treats. You can even get medication from your veterinarian if your dog is really scared or nervous with the fireworks going off. But you don't want to wait until July 4th to see if it works especially the calming treats. You know, you should get them ahead of time, see if it does work before you find out on the 4th of July that it doesn't. I wonder, you know, dogs' noses are so sensitive too. I mean, I think, what is it? They can distinguish like hundreds of different scents that we can't. Are they affected by the scent of the fireworks, the smell of fire? And is that something that also causes a reaction in them? Well, I know there's, you know, it's the holiday People are going to be outside. They're probably going to be having citronella candles to keep the mosquitoes away. They might have some tiki torches. You know, you want to make sure your pet stays clear from all of that type of thing because those types of products can cause stomach irritation if the pet should ingest it. Just horrible things can happen. So really, again, keep your pet safe. If you're going to have candles lit, keep them out of reach of the pet. You don't want to use fireworks around your pets. They could burn their paws. Sparklers, you know, they're fun, they're pretty, but they can potentially contain toxic substances that, you know, could affect your pet. And there are also relaxing things for cats, the pheromone sprays. Yeah. Yeah. Do those really work? 
Again, each animal is going to be different. Here at the Humane Society, we actually do use pheromone plugins in different areas of the shelter. We also put calming collars on pets that are nervous. I just was spending some time with a dog who is very nervous and she has a calming collar on. And, you know, I do believe it's helping her a bit. You're not going to see like a huge change, <laughs> but it's just going to take the edge off a little bit, which is what you want for your pet. Okay, a calming collar, that's new to me. How does that work? So again, it's similar to the sprays, except the sprays, you spray it and it dissipates into the area. The calming collar, it's the same idea, except because it's a collar and it's on your pet, it stays with your pet. I need one of those Typically for me. <laughs> <laughs> Typically, they last about 30 days. Okay, is it like a, a lavender scent that, you know, like with people that works for us? It definitely has, I'm not, I can't even describe the odor. It's like a clean, fresh smell. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. And it's something that and works it, for animals. <laughs> it works for animals. There's special pheromones in their design, and they make different ones for dogs versus different ones for cats. It's something you can use year-round. You just don't have to use it for the 4th of July. And again, it's one of those things, you don't want to just put it on your pet on July 4th. You should get it ahead of time, put it on your pet so that your pet gets used to it. Okay. And you have these in the boutique at the Humane Society of Broward County? I do have the calming collars, yes. And then I also have some calming treats for dogs. Some people swear that they work. Other people are like, mm, didn't do anything for my dogs. Again, it works for some. It doesn't work for others. Right. Don't wait the last minute to find out. Okay. And the other option, of course, is to go see your veterinarian. They can offer prescription medications that work. So moving on to July as National Lost Pet Prevention Month. Worst case scenario, your pet runs away on 4th of July or any time. You always want to get them back. And although we hear stories about pets that were reunited with their owners after like eight years, and it's a miracle, nobody wants to wait eight years to be reunited. You don't want to lose your pet in the first place. But if for some reason your pet gets away, you are doing at the Humane Society of Broward County free microchipping throughout the month of July. Tell us what's going to be happening. Sure. So as you mentioned, July is National Lost Pet Prevention Month, and we will be offering 500 microchips for pet owners in the month of July. Now, the chips are administered by our veterinarian. They are done on a first-come, first-served basis. No appointment is necessary, and it's done in our vaccine clinic, which is located at the far east side of our building. The clinic's open Monday through Friday from 9 to 5.30. They do close around 11.45 till about 1 o'clock daily for lunch, but I can't stress enough First of all, to have a collar and an ID tag on at all times, because that is a visible sign that, hey, this pet has an owner. Right. There's your phone number. The pet doesn't have to go to a shelter or a vet hospital to be scanned to see if it has a chip. So an ID tag with a collar, most important. Next is the microchip. If that collar should fall off, the microchip is a great resource because then it can be scanned and say, hey, Fluffy's lost she belongs to you, then the chip company will relay the information to you as far as who the owner is. If someone has any hesitation about doing a procedure, technically, what is the size of this chip and what's involved in the procedure? So the size of the microchip is the size of a grain of rice. I mean, that's how tiny it is. Thanks to technology, I mean, it truly is amazing. You know, 
when I started working here at the shelter 27 years ago, we tattooed the pets because that was the sign of identification. The problem was, was when the puppies grew, then these tattoos were stretched out and you really couldn't read the number. So microchipping has made huge strides. The scanners now, before you used to have to have a scanner for different types of chips, now most of the scanners read all the different types of chips, so that's a great thing. But as far as the chipping goes, it's an easy procedure. It's inserted with a needle between the shoulder blades of the dog or the cat. We even microchip bunny rabbits as well. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, and that microchip, it's not a tracking device. So if your pet gets lost, there's no turn on the tracker and let me find my pet. They do make products like that, but the microchip is not a tracking device. Okay. So what you need to do, though, is if your pet gets microchipped, you need to make sure that you have your current up-to-date information with the microchip company. If you move and don't update the chip information, it's not going to help your pet if it gets lost. Okay. And that would be the same thing if for some reason you have to turn your pet over to a different owner or, you know, somebody passes on and the next person inherits it, they need to then update that information as well and say, okay, I'm the new person. Here's my phone number. Here's my address so that they can reach you. Exactly. I mean, we have a dog right now that came to the shelter. It was surrendered by somebody. And Our protocol is we check everybody to see if they have a chip, and it did have a chip. It did not match the name of the person that surrendered it. Uh So when we called that person, they're like, oh, I gave the dog away three years ago. Oh, okay. So the chip was still registered to the original owner. That person gave it away, but the new person never bothered to update the chip. Is there any way to sign up for a reminder once a year to update, you know, or maybe every every 4th of July, you know, when you're thinking about National Lost Pet Prevention Month, just make it a habit when you're planning for your 4th of July celebrations to just check in and make sure that you have all the same information. Um, who do you contact if you do need to make a change on a microchip for the contact information? So there are various microchip companies where you got your pet from. If it was a shelter, they should have supplied paperwork that tells you who the chip company is. If you're not sure, you can always take your pet to the veterinarian and they can scan the pet and tell you what type of chip it is. And then you can research and find out which how to contact the chip company. Okay. And like you say, there are GPS type trackers available, but that's not what you're doing. That's a whole different issue. Are those sold in the boutique or do you have to go to like an Amazon to find something like that? Yeah, I don't sell the trackers and they can range in price. I've seen them inexpensive up to several hundred dollars. So I personally have not used one. Again, it's one of those items that if it's not on your dog's collar and your dog gets loose, it's not going to do any good if it's sitting on the kitchen counter. Okay. Besides, we like free. <laughs> free is good. Right. So yeah. for the first 500 people who bring their pet in to be microchipped, you will get one for free. This is the first time we're offering the free microchips, the 500 free microchips. So I'm expecting it to be quite busy. I hope people will take advantage of it. I mean, typically, if you go to our vaccine clinic to get a microchip, it's going to be $20. So it's a $20 savings. You can then go buy your pet some treats or go buy yourself a cup of coffee. (laughs) One One cup, right? (laughs) Yeah, one cup at this point. (laughs) Okay. Is there, you know, maybe halfway through the month, would you suggest that people make a phone call just to be sure that there are still microchips available? They can, or 
they can just check our website. It's humanebrower.com, and if we run out of chips, we will post something there. Okay, and keep in mind that when you adopt a pet from the Humane Society of Broward County, your pet will come already microchipped. So you might... Yeah, you might just want to stop in and get a pet or get a matching pet to go with the one you have, you know, and you I can, like that idea. Absolutely. I clear the shelters. Um, you know, some of the you had a bunch of puppies that came in from the Cayman Islands and the faces. Oh my goodness, I just look at those eyes and I want to take them all home. You know? <laughs> um So, and always check our Pet of the Week page on our website so that you can see, you know, who's Carolina with today, who's Jeff with today, or Corby. And, you know, they're all adorable and they all, as you know, okay, I'm a pet lover, I'm biased, but they really do (laughs) enhance your life and they are scientifically proven to keep you calm and help you live longer just for the companionship and the unconditional love. So what are the hours of the Humane Society for anyone who wants to stop in and meet a pet? So if you're interested in adopting, uh, the first thing I would suggest you do is go to the website. It's humanebroward.com. There you can window shop and check out all the pets that are looking for forever homes. And I will say, keep an open mind. Some of the dogs we have might be on the bigger side, but it's not how big you are. It's how well behaved. And we have some really great dogs that are a little bit bigger. But they have great profiles. They like other dogs and cats and kids. They just need a second chance. Okay. Um, so again, humanebroward.com. We open daily at 11 o'clock. And if you have any questions, you can call us. The number is 954 989 3977. And again, all of this information is also on our Pet of the Week page. Sherry Wachter, Vice President of Marketing for the Humane Society of Broward County, and also the best photographer around, never takes a pet. I'm telling you, there are no bad pictures when you take those pet pictures. Thank you so much for your guidance and for what you do for the animals in our community. We appreciate it. And thanks for your time and have a safe and happy fourth. You too. Thank Thank you. you. And thank you for listening to Community Focus this morning. If you have questions about today's show or would like to suggest a topic, please feel free to email me at ellen.jaffe, J-A-2-F-1-E at cmg.com. Join us again next Sunday for an all new edition of Community Focus and have a wonderful day. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.